There we go. Now I'm on. That was not, I said, that was not the sound guy's fault. That was my fault. I flipped my mic off between services and forgot about it. Uh, Mark chapter number four uh, this morning. And uh, Mark chapter number four, thank you for that special. Appreciate that. Mark chapter 4, we have a familiar passage before us. It's nothing new, uh, but, but many times I find in Christian life, it's not the new things that we need to learn, but many times there's things that we need reminded of in our Christian life. I know in my life, as I go through and I read the Bible and, uh, and, and as I study, and, and sometimes there's things that the Lord brings to mind that are not new to me, but rather things that I need reminded of and I need spurred because maybe I've drop the ball in that area uh, and I need to pick it up and continue moving forward in that area. And this morning, as we read this passage, uh, the thought that really overwhelmingly jumps off the page at me is Jesus asks the question, he says this, why are ye so fearful? And uh, as I think about that, I, I thought, what a great question. And so really, that's the title of the message. Why are ye so fearful? Mark chapter number four and verse number 35. The Bible says this. And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there was also with him other little ships, and there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. God, we thank you for all of your blessings in our life. And God, we thank you for the great salvation that you give to us. And God, that you promised that you would be with us. And Father, I pray as we look at this passage this morning, God, I pray that you'd use me. I pray, Father, that you would speak through me. God, I pray that you would uh, comfort those who uh, maybe doubt or struggle with fear or have anxiety. And God, I pray that you would help Help us to turn our eyes and turn our hearts completely to you. And God, that we can know that we can trust in you. God, I pray that you would just bless this morning. And all of this I ask in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we go through uh, this passage and look at it, I want us to notice, of course, that idea of, he says, why are ye so fearful? You know, we go through different stages in life. And uh, we, uh, my wife and I, were in a, a stage where our kids are mostly through college and we got one at home, but, but it's just different. You know, when your kids start to grow up and they start to, to leave the nest and, and really things change in life and everything comes, becomes a little different. Maybe you start a new job and, and you know what? That can be a big change in your life and things can be different or uh, many things will change. Maybe you move 
or this or that. And, and there's so many changes and there's so many different stages of life that we go through. And sometimes when we hit a new stage in our life, boy, we kind of become fearful. Uh, we're saying, well, we don't know what, what is the next step, or how is this going to work, or how is this going to pan out, and we don't always know how everything is going to go, and, uh, and we can become fearful. Here the disciples had hit a, uh, a different part of their ministry, per se, where they were crossing a, uh, the sea uh, with the Lord. And prior to that, they really had been ministering, and they saw a lot of people healed, and they saw a lot of miracles, and they, they saw God working with other people. But now it was their time in their life, and it was perhaps a new stage that they had hit, and a new level where their faith needed to grow. And as we look at that, uh, one of the things I'm convinced, especially over the past two years, uh, really going back to 2020 and, and COVID, is I'm convinced now that uh, the media loves to keep us fearful. Boy, if they can keep you fearful, you know what? You're going to turn on uh, Channel 5 News or 8 News or whatever that news is that you watch. And man, I got to see what's going on next. I got to see what I'm supposed to watch out for. And, and really, if they can keep us fearful, they, then we, they've got us hooked in. And we'll constantly be looking to them and, and we'll look to find out what the next thing is that we need to keep an eye out for. And, and, and so uh, really I'm convinced that the media wants to keep us fearful so that they have us uh, on their viewing program and they can show you commercials and sell their uh, product and, and make money ultimately. And so, uh, but, but really many people struggle with fear and anxiety. Uh, and it's a real problem. And you say, well, what about this? The Bi doesn't the Bible command us to fear God? And the Bible does say in Ecclesiastes 12, 13, uh, let us hear the whole conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. And I've dealt with this topic before, but yes, we are to fear God. What does that mean? And what is the fear of God? Well, Fear is defined this way, at least two definitions. The first definition is to feel a painful ap apprehension of something, to be afraid. Uh, and, and we understand that, you know, I don't like the feeling of fear. Um, and, and so we, we get that, we know what that feeling of fear. But the second definition is to have a reverential awe. In other words, to stand in awe of God, that's the fear of God. In other words, that we would be awed by His power, His grace, His love, His mercy, all of the attributes that surround God. And so, yes, we are to fear God, but it's not a fear where we would cower in the corner and say, eh, I'm scared to uh, scratch my nose wrong because a lightning bolt will fall from heaven. No, it's not that kind of fear, but rather an awe of how good and how powerful and how great God truly is. And we're to stand in awe of Him. And so that's certainly different and very distinct from being fearful. And so I want us to understand those two things and those differences. I read this morning uh, this, this statement, Your mind cannot be full of fear and full of faith at the same time. It's just not possible. And so uh, we understand that. 
But as we look at this passage, Jesus, of course, after everything is said and done, and after he looks at his disciples, after the storm has been calmed, he asks them this question, why are ye so fearful? And he's not talking to the world. He's talking to the disciples that have already followed Jesus Christ. And for all practical purposes, we'll equate that to salvation. And that, hey, I believe by and large this morning that I'm looking to and talking to believers uh, who have already put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, if you have not put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, then actually you have reason to be fearful because you don't really know what tomorrow holds. You don't really know who holds tomorrow. And you don't know what the future has in store for you. But listen, as believers and those of us who have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we can trust in God. And we know what He is going to do. And so we, honestly, though we may struggle with it, we do not have a reason to be fearful. We find here in this passage, the disciples were fearful. And Jesus asked them, why are ye so fearful? And some of the things that I think uh, that, that caused them to be fearful, the first and foremost is that of the storm was great. There was a great storm. And these are not revolutionary things. These are just simple things that we can notice in the text. And I want you to notice this. Not only was the storm great, but under that fact that the storm was great, I want you to know that they had a wearisome work day that day. Go back with me to verse number 1 of Mark chapter 4. And the Bible says this in verse number 1, Mark 4, 1. And he began to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on land. Verse 2, And he taught them many things by parables, and said unto them in his doctrine. He goes down through all of chapter 4, and he teaches them from the seaside on that boat, and he gives them a great expansive lesson. And, and they are there for all practical purposes, probably the majority of that day setting under the teaching as Jesus would teach them. And, and we find that uh, maybe they stopped for lunch. I don't really know. Uh, and, but uh, we do know that he did get aside with his disciples and teach them separately. Go with me to verse number 35. And we see all the lessons that he teaches. In verse 35, it makes a point of saying, And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. And so they had been dealing with this crowd all day long, and, uh, and it was such a large crowd, and it had pressed upon Jesus so much that they actually had to get a boat and say, hey, uh, shove them out a little bit from land so the people can't get to them, and he can speak to them and have a great opportunity to teach them. And so he had taught them for quite some time. And listen, I've find that many times in our life, if a storm is going to come, usually it hits when things are already wiped out and we're already tired. 
We say, man, you know, we've done all of these things. The disciples worked a long day. They were there with the crowd. They were there with Jesus. They spent all of this time. Not just that, but look in verse number 36. The Bible says, And when they had sent the multitude away, they took him even as he was in the ship. In other words, hey, they said, all right, time is up. Uh, listen, the lesson is over. And, uh, and, and the disciples started, you know, sending everyone away. There was a great multitude of people. Could you imagine how long they lingered and hang around? I love fellowship. I, I, for years, and, and because I was a missionary for so long, and, and I, I opened the church, and I locked the church, and I, I did everything, basically. And, and, uh, and so, uh, you know, I, I always wanted to not discourage people from hanging around after church. We'd stand around and talk for a little bit and people would leave. And, and even now, you know, we stand around and talk a little bit after church and, and then people leave. And I, I don't try to shoo people out. And I don't know if the disciples were trying to shoo people out. I don't think they had to. For one, there were no light switches to flip off. There were no doors to lock. They were outside. And, uh, and so, but they did to hang out with those people and they did spend some time with them and they, they kind of sent the multitude away and they told them bye and they dismissed themselves. And, and so you could imagine that maybe it took a while uh, to get all that crowd to, to head out. And, and you can tell that it was a long day for these disciples, but then they finally get into the boat and we see a wearisome uh, work day that they had that day. But I want you to notice this as well. That they were worried in this storm. Look with me in verse number 37. The Bible says, And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. They were worried about the waves. I don't know if you've ever been on a, a lake or a pond, or a pond probably does not have very big waves. It's usually the larger body of water that that wind starts blowing across, and there's nothing to stop that wind. And the, the faster it blows and the more it carries, the larger the waves grow. That's why on Lake Erie and Ontario and the Great Lakes, you tend to have higher waves than you do on other bodies of water. And the Sea of Galilee is quite a, a big sea, and, and so uh, it's, you know, the waves can blow through. And I got to wonder, and I thought, well, I wonder, you know, what is, how big of a storm can, can take place on the Sea of Galilee? So I just looked it up. And uh, up in Israel News pops up a news article that a uh, uh, 2019, a boat had capsized and a family of four almost died on the Sea of Galilee because the winds had blown up and, uh, and, and turned their boat over and nobody was there to rescue them. So even today, you can still have quite a storm. And as I think about it, these disciples were there and, and they started to, uh, the Bible takes note that uh, there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship. In other words, they were, uh, they were there and the wind started blowing and, and the waves started, boom, slapping against the side of the boat. And as they were there and, and, and they were trying to get the boat to go land and go to the other side. And, and I don't know if you've ever been on a, a boat with big waves and, and the waves are kind of, or the wind kind of pushes you away. And, and we're not talking a motor boat. They didn't just fire up the motor and kick it up a notch and say, we're, bless God, we're going through anyways. Uh, they didn't have that option. 
And so they're trying to control it with the oars and, and the things that they would have to keep that vessel going in the right direction. And perhaps the wind was uh, going against them and, and the waves started to hit that boat and boy, it just starts to rock and go back and forth and the waves are coming over the side and they're coming into the boat. And I tell you what, when you start seeing waves coming into your boat, you got a problem. And I don't care how big or small your boat is. When the water is coming in, you've got a problem. And they began to worry. It says there in verse number 37, uh, and, and the Bible says at the last part of it, so that it was now full. That boat, not only was the waves beating against it, but now water was coming into the boat and, and actually filling it up. And do you know what happens when you get a bunch of water in your boat? It rides a little bit lower. And the lower it rides, the more the waves come in. And the more the waves come in, the more water goes in your boat. And the lower you set until eventually your boat is completely sinking underwater. And you got a problem. And so these disciples are, are starting to see this and they're starting to worry. They're looking at these winds and they're looking at the waves and they're looking at the water in the boat and, and they're concerned for all that is going on. And listen, sometimes in life uh, we tend to look at our problems and, and we tend to look at them and look at them and we'll take our problem and we'll do this until we turn it this way and this is all we can see right here. Because we spend so much time focusing on our problems. And, and that is the only thing that we can see. We can't see anything else outside of that. It consumes our mind. It consumes our life. It consumes everything about us until the fact that, man, we're, we're concerned about it day in and day out. And we can't sleep at night and we can't think. And we, we're not hungry because we're so busy worrying about this problem that has consumed us. And the disciples, I don't mean to minimize their danger, they were in danger. And it was a real storm. And it was, uh, the wind was beating against the boat. And, and I'm sure that waves were coming in. But listen, Jesus was still on board with them. I, I don't think Jesus would have just voluntarily said, well, the boat's going down, boys, we're all going down. And, and, and they were worried and they were concerned. Not only that, but at the end of it, you have to realize they were wondering, would we survive? You start to think about things when problems come your way and you start to realize, man, I, I don't know if we're going to make it. I remember as a teenager, my, my dad and I, and I, I think I've told this before, but my dad and I went on a canoe trip. It was my senior, basically my senior trip. And we were going to canoe this river. And so we picked out this river and it was supposed to be an exciting river to canoe. And, and uh, uh, we, were, we were looking forward to it. It wasn't white water. We weren't expecting that. But just a, a nice river to go canoeing down. And, and, uh, and, and so we got our canoe and we went up and, and, and my mom was going to drop us off. We got the canoe off. We got it dropped in the water and we said, see ya. And she drove away. And here we are with the canoe in the river. And we get in and, and we start canoeing. And, and the water water seemed like it was just rushing a little bit fast. We had a little bit of white water here and there. We're like, well, we weren't quite expecting this. And we go around the first bend and we hear this powerful rushing water. That's not what you want to hear on a canoe. And 
we start backpedaling and, and it's sheer walls on either side of us because we kind of went into this valley, this gully, uh, where it was just rock walls on either side and, and we're backpedaling as fast as we could in the canoe because there was no stopping and we're just trying to slow us down long enough and my dad says, stand up and look and see what you can see because I was in the front. So I stood up and I'm looking out to try and see what I can see and I'm like, Dad, all I see is the water comes all together in one spot, and then it's gone. He said, that's not good. I said, I agree. He said, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to, he said, we're just going to paddle as fast as we can. We're going to, where all the water comes together, we're going to shoot straight in it. He's like, our best hope is that we launch the canoe straight off. We fall straight down, whatever drop it is, and we land, and all's good. Sounds like a plan, Dad. So we started paddling as fast as we could. Man, we hit that first thing, and, and our, instead of going straight out, um, and I, we, went, we went out, and then we went whoop, and we went down. And I don't really know what happened. All I know is I come up soaking wet uh, with the canoe in one hand, the paddle in the other hand, my dad yelling at me, don't let go of the boat, and don't let go of your paddle. And, and I remember floating down this river, holding on to the boat and holding on to my paddle, thinking... I wonder if we're going to make it out of this alive. And I don't know if you've ever been in an experience where you thought, man, I, I really don't think we are going to make it. And I really did wonder at that point, are we going to make it out of this thing alive or are we going to die? But your mind starts to wonder, hey, are, are we really going to, to, to get out of this? And I have no doubt that the disciples, as the, the winds and the wave were beating on that boat and it was starting to fill up, they started to wonder, is this the end? We're not going to make it. Matter of fact, they go to the Savior, to Jesus, who's asleep in the hinder part of the ship, and they say, Master, carest thou not that we perish? They, they were already thinking, this is all done. We don't have a way out. The boat is going down, and they were wondering, and the, the storm uh, was a great storm, and it was a wearisome workday. They worried about the waves, and it caused them to wonder if they were ever going to make it. And listen, storms in our lives can cause weary and worry and, and even cause us to wonder, hey, is this going to work out for us? It was a great storm. They were there. But I want you to notice the second thing that probably caused them to be fearful is that the Savior was asleep. Now, I want to be very, very clear and very, very careful. Jesus didn't do anything wrong. Okay, I don't even want to imply that by saying that he was sleeping, but it is a stated fact that he was sleeping in the back of the boat. Okay, but Jesus was not wrong in doing that. But I started to think, then why was Jesus asleep? What caused him to be there in the back of the boat? And listen, I've already said, if you're saved and if you're born again, then Jesus is on board your vessel. He is with you and he goes with you throughout your life. And whatever storm that you may go through, he is there. But I want to note just a few things. Jesus was certainly not wrong. So let's analyze the disciples. Let's think about where they were at. Let's think about what was going through their minds 
in their life. And I want you to notice this. The first thing that I came up with as I started thinking about the disciples is, listen, this was the area of confidence for, for James, for John, the sons of Zebedee, for Peter, for Andrew, because they were fishermen. Just a couple chapters prior to this, Jesus had gone by the Sea of Galilee and he was walking and he called Peter and James, or Peter and Andrew, excuse me, his brother, to be disciples. And then shortly thereafter, John and James, uh, the sons of Zebedee, uh, to also follow them. And so you can know this, that they were experienced on the Sea of Galilee. They were accustomed to being out there. They were fishermen. Now, I'm sure that they tried to watch the weather, and if a storm kicked up, that they would try and get off. But I can tell you this, I'm sure in all the time of their fishing ventures, this was not the first storm that they had gone through. This was not the first time that they had been on a boat on the Sea of Galilee. They were experienced. And as I thought about it, uh, I thought, listen, they were probably quite confident once they got on the sea. Lord, we got this. Hey, you, just, you take a back seat. We, we're experienced on this sea. Man, we know how to row. We know how to steer. We know how to take care of this thing. And, and we are accustomed with these vessels. Hey, you just take a back seat and we will drive and we will take care of everything. And listen, it's in those areas that we have confidence in our life that we can often have problems. And Jesus, or the, the Bible says it this way in the Old Testament, uh, then he answered and spake unto me, saying, this is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And listen, we have got to be careful when we become confident, we negotiate an area that we're used to and we're busy traveling through something that we're confident in and we say, hey, man, I've got this. And, and we kind of push Jesus to the back of the boat and say, well, we don't really need them in control because this is my area of expertise. I'm used to navigating these waters. I'm used to driving a boat. And all of a sudden, Jesus was pushed to the back because they were confident in that area. Hey, listen, we have got to be careful that we don't become confident in our life, even in areas that we're used to, even in areas that we're familiar with, that we would shove Jesus to the back and say, you know what, I've got this because it can lead to a problem. The disciples were confident on the sea. Not only were the disciples uh, confident on the sea, I believe the disciples became caught up in the busyness of the storm. Listen, when a storm comes, we tend to react to the problem. It's human nature. When anything comes into our life, any difficulty, the first thing that we do is we start to say, well, this is what we've got to do. We've got to do this. We've got to do this. And we go into autopilot mode where we start to handle all of the problem and we start to figure out what needs to take place and how it needs to be handled. And listen, I think that's what the disciples did. When the wind started to kick up, uh, I'm sure that uh, Peter and, and Andrew and James and John uh, started to take control. Hey, listen, 
this is what we've got to do, guys. We, we've got to start paddling. You guys all need to row together. We need to make sure that our, our vessel's heading in the right way, and the wind is coming from this way, so we need to angle it a little bit, and we'll come out at the right spot. And, and they started to take control of everything as this storm started to ensue. And then all of a sudden, they started seeing water coming in. And sure enough, I'm sure that they would set a couple of the disciples, hey, you get a bucket, and you start bailing water, and we've got you guys oaring, and we've got us, we're directing, and we're getting everything, and we're trying to solve the whole problem ourselves. I have no doubt those disciples were busy. They were trying to handle everything by themselves, and maybe, maybe they didn't want to bother Jesus, because after all, he had taught all day long, and he also had had a long day. But listen, we can become so focused on these problems, and certainly uh, that's, I think, one of the reasons that, that had taken place with them, and we can get caught up in the busyness of the difficulties and problems that come our way, and we end up just like uh, Mary and Martha. And Mary, uh, the Bible says in Luke chapter 10 and verse 41, when Jesus came to their house, and, and, and Martha said this, uh, and Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, 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 thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Mary and Martha had had Jesus come into their house and Martha was all busy and cumbered about, the Bible says, by serving and making sure her house was clean and the table was set and the meal was just right so that when Jesus sat down, I believe it was all good intentioned. I don't think she meant anything bad by it, but she had occupied herself with everything else and neglected what Jesus said, the better part of sitting at the feet of Jesus. I think these disciples, in good, in good intentions, not bad, not trying to slight Jesus, but thought, you know, in good intentions, hey, we've got the Savior aboard. We've got to do the best we can to get this vessel to shore. We've got to make sure that everything's taken care of. And they were working themselves to try and solve all the problems. And they were caught up in the busyness of the storm. Why were they so fearful? I think they were confident in the sea. Secondly, I think they were caught up in the busyness of the storm. Thirdly, they were not calling for help. They didn't call to Jesus. They didn't say, Master, if we got a little problem. I don't know what was going through their minds. Jesus was the son of a carpenter. He was not the son of a fisherman. He, he probably had a very little experience on, on, the, on the sea. Maybe they just thought, well, you know, what does God really know? What does Jesus really know about the sea? That's our expertise. That's our area. That's where we, that's where we work. And so let's not bother him because he probably doesn't know. And sometimes we relegate God off to a corner because we think, well, you know, God is not really, what does he know about 2023 and, and electric and this and that and all these things? And, and we tend to think, well, you know, it's, that's not big enough to bother God with. Listen, we can go to him at any moment, at any time, for anything. And listen, it would alleviate our fear. I think they wouldn't have been fearful if they had gone to Jesus first right off. 
I think things would have been different had, had they not, not uh, just left Jesus in the pack by himself. I, I think, honestly, Jesus was asleep because his flesh was tired and nobody was talking to him. Everyone else was busy doing stuff. And of course, what are you going to do? Man, I'm going to go to sleep. That's what I'm going to do when nobody's around and, and, and i got nothing to do. Man, I'm going to doze and take a nap. That's what I'm going to do. And I think that's what happened. The Savior was asleep. The storm was great. I want you to notice this. The Bible says in verse number 35, And the same day when the evening, when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. Not only was the storm great and the Savior was asleep, I think they had forgotten about the sure word that Jesus Christ had given them. Peter goes back as an ironic that Peter would write this in, in the book of 2 Peter chapter number two and, or verse, chapter number 1 and verse number 19. He says, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. In other words, he says, hey, the word of God is more sure than anything else. But even at the beginning, Jesus had told them, hey, let us pass over to the other side. He had already given them the idea that, uh, that they were going to go to the other side. And listen, he was talking expressly uh, to the disciples. He said, let us, that would be the disciples and Jesus pass over to the other side. There's so many promises given in the Word of God that, that are applicable to believers. It bothers me when I hear lost people claim God's promises. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I hear The one I hear the most is, let not your heart be troubled. And I think to myself, go on, quote the rest of it. Because Jesus said it, and he said, believe in me. And, and, and he was comforting them because it's Jesus and we're to comfort and we're, we're to believe in Jesus. And, and listen, that's what we ought to uh, have as our promise. Uh, but it bothers me and other people, you know, try and claim God's promises, but, but they're off base in what they say. And listen, this was given to the disciples and there's promises that you and I as believers, we can claim in the word of God. We can say, thank God. That he saved us, he changed us, and that he'll be with us. And we have that sure word, and it was given to the disciples just as the word of God is given for us, for our instruction, for our learning, that we can grow in the word of God. It was given to his disciples. I want you to notice this. In verse number 37, look here, the Bible says, And there arose a great storm of wind. Jesus had told the disciples back in 35, let us pass over the other side. Jesus gave them the word of God when it was calm, probably sunny, and before they got into the boat. And I thought, man, listen, when it's calm and sunny and things are going smooth, that's the time to take the word of God and put it in your heart. That's the time to take the Word of God and memorize it. That's the time to take the Word of God and meditate upon it. That's the time to learn the Word of God. Hey, they didn't get into the boat during a storm. They wouldn't have done that. It was during a calm time. Jesus said, hey, get into the boat. We're going to go to the other side. And I wrote this down. In the midst of the storm, don't doubt what you learned in the calm. Listen, it's easy during a, a, a storm 
to lose your head and start thinking maybe they got out there halfway and they said, maybe this wasn't God's will. Maybe this wasn't what God wanted. No, no, he had very clearly given them instruction before the storm ever came to get in the boat and to cross over to the other side. And so very clearly there was instructions that were given during the calm time that they were supposed to go to the other side. Then notice this as well. He says, pass over unto the other side. Hey, listen, if you're saved... We're going to make it to the other side. Oh, you'll have problems. You'll have bumps. You'll have difficulties along the way. But I can tell you this, if you're saved and you're born again, we'll make it to the other side up there. And we'll make it. That's not to say that, that you won't ever have problems. We will. We'll have difficulties. I was thinking about that this morning and I thought, you know, I think God knew that that storm would come. I think God sent that storm, but it was God's will for the disciples to go through that storm so that they could learn, so that their faith could grow, so that they could learn to trust God. And, and listen, the sure word that they had received from Jesus had come during a time of calm and, and, it, and it had come to the disciples and it was going to the other side that was promised them. And listen, we ought to take the word of God and, and, and study it and learn it and meditate upon it and memorize it for those hard times. I remember the Verse I memorized when I was a young kid, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. I love that verse. Why? Because sometimes we're fearful. Sometimes we come up against problems and we're like, man, we are tempted to fear. We're tempted to worry. We're tempted with this. But the Bible says that God hath not given us the spirit of fear. It goes on and it says, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. To be able to say, you know what? God's got this. I don't have to worry and I don't have to fret. Jot this verse down, Isaiah 41.10. You may know this. Great verse for a time of fear. How can we keep from being fearful? We can, uh, there's scripture that we can use. First, uh, 2 Timothy 1.7 that I gave you. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. Isaiah 41.10. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. There's a scripture song in that, and I'll not sing it for you, but, but I think of that song every now and then. What a great scripture song to learn. The Bible says in Isaiah 26.3, uh, you can jot that down, Isaiah 26.3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Jesus asked his disciples, Why are ye so fearful? And I don't know, the Bible doesn't give us the answer, but every one of them probably thought, because we didn't trust in you, because we tried to solve the problem ourselves. We tried to take care of it. We thought we could do it. And they didn't go to God. The storm was great. The Savior was asleep. But they had a sure word that they had forgotten. Listen, in our life, there'll be storms. There'll be problems. There'll be difficulties. How can you keep from being fearful of Scripture? Those verses I gave you, pray. Go to God. You can take any, any problem to God. 
and say, God, it's yours. Problem is, we take our problem, we'll take it up to the altar, we'll kneel down at the altar, we'll pray, and we go to leave our problem there, and we're like, mm, take it with me. And we carry it around with us, instead of leaving it there on the altar and saying, God, it's really yours. And we carry it around with us. Not only that, we pull it out, we look at it every now and then. Ooh, that's pretty bad. I don't know what I'm going to do about it. And we tend to carry that with us and worry about it. We need to go to God and leave it with him. Why are we so fearful? We can pray. We have scripture. We ought to just trust, as the Bible says, in the Lord with all our heart and lean not unto our own understanding. That's a verse that's far easier to quote than to live. I have a love-hate relationship with that verse. Some days I love it. Some days I hate it. Because it's hard, but we got to trust the Lord because he's able. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet. Why are ye so fearful? Jesus asked the disciples. Father, I pray you'd speak to hearts as only you can. God, you know the struggles that each and every person is going through. You're incredible about knowing us knowing our names, knowing where we're located, knowing our trials, our struggles, our difficulties. God, maybe we're not coming to you. Maybe we're busy, preoccupied with trying to solve all the problems ourselves. God, I pray that you would speak to hearts as only you can. I pray that you'd comfort each and every person, Father that's struggling, going through hardship. God, we're bound to go through hardship in our life. We're bound to have difficulties. God, I pray that our faith would grow more and more each time as we watch you work and that we would learn to trust in you. And that you'd not ask us, why are we so fearful? But God, that we would trust in you. God, I ask all of these things in Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, maybe God's spoken to your heart. Maybe you're struggling with something. Whatever the need, you can come and give that to God. The altar is open. Why don't you bring it to the altar and say, God, this is a problem I've been struggling with. He knows. He's pretty much aware of where we're at. Why don't you leave it there for him? Why don't you turn it over to him? Maybe he's given you some verses. Maybe you wrote those verses down. Maybe you just need to claim them. Say, God, help me to trust in you. Help me to keep my mind stayed upon you. Help me to pray. Help me to trust the sure word of your uh, Bible that, that has promises for me. Whatever the need, the altar's open. These have come and the altar's open. You can certainly come and pray. Cast your burdens upon the Lord. Maybe you're not going through a problem. Maybe you're not going through a difficulty. Write it down because sure enough, at some point we will. 
good time to take the word during the calm times and note them down. and you may be seated and we got a baptism this morning and uh, Bob Carabine came to us and um, he has been he's already been saved he was saved before he came here and uh, and he expressed interest in joining the church and uh, and I and we I sat down talked with him and got his testimony and uh, he is saved and uh, but he just wasn't baptized in a Baptist church and so we wanted to baptize him uh, so that so that he's in agreement with Baptist doctrine and uh, with our church and so he agreed to that and uh, so he'll be coming and, and be baptized this morning, and then uh, he would like to church afterwards as well. So we'll do that afterwards. But we'll wait until he gets in here. Why don't we? Why don't we sing that song that we sang? Um, the last song. I have it marked. Nope. I was wrong. It wasn't the last song. 295, I will sing the wondrous story. And uh, 295, those last two verses, I, I was going to bring this out in the message. I totally forgot. But it says in 5, grab your songbook, turn to 295, let's stand. We'll sing those last two verses. We'll sing the first verse and then the third verse and the fourth verse. And, uh, but the last two verses say this, I was bruised, but Jesus healed me. Faint was I from many a fall. Sight was gone and fear possessed me, but he freed me from them all. Dark, or days of darkness still, make, still come o'er me. Sorrow's paths I often tread, but the Savior still is with me. By his hand I'm safely led. And uh, sometimes we'll go through problems, but he'll always be there with us. 295, I will sing the wondrous story. We'll start with that first verse. I will sing the wondrous story of the Christ who died for me. How he left his home in glory for the cross of Calvary. Yes, I'll sing the wondrous story of the Christ who died for me. Sing it with the saints in glory gathered by the crystal sea. I, whose 
but Jesus healed me. Faint was I from many a fall. Sight was gone and fears possessed me, but he freed me from them all. I'll sing the wondrous story of the Christ who died for me. Sing it with the saints in glory gathered by the crystal sea. On that last days of darkness still come o'er me. Sorrows pass I often tread, but the Savior still is with me by his hand safely led. Yes, I'll sing the wondrous story of the Christ who died for me. Sing it with the saints in glory gathered by the crystal sea. All right, good singing. You may be seated. All right, Bob. It's deep down here. All right, this is Bob Carabine. And as I stated, he, he had gotten saved before he came here. Not, he didn't get saved under our ministry, but before. And uh, just needed to be baptized. And Bob... You know the Lord as your personal Savior? All right, good. You can go ahead and be seated. All right. And upon your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, buried in his likeness, raised to walk in newness of life. All right. Amen. All right. Bob desired to uh, join the church as well. And uh, so all those in favor of, of having John... or. Bob. Where did John come from? My, having Bob join the church. Uh, can I hear a hearty amen? Amen. amen? amen. Good. All right, Bob, welcome to the church. And we're glad to have you a part of us. All right. <laughs> All right. Praise the Lord. Uh, good to have uh, baptism. And if others need to be baptized, if you know of others, we're always willing to baptize and uh, just see myself, see Preston, see your Sunday school teacher, whoever it is, your van worker, and, uh, and we'll certainly let, let that be known. And uh, praise the Lord for people willing to obey the Lord in believer's baptism. We thank God for that, all right? Um, why don't we stand, and uh, we'll have a word of prayer, and we'll be dismissed, and you probably will not get to see the van maybe tonight. Uh, we'll have it parked out there in the parking lot so you can see it. Uh, but uh, let's go ahead and close out in the word of prayer this morning. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. Thank you for your many blessings. God, thank you for this one, uh, Bob, who is, uh, wanted to be baptized, Father, and join the church. And God, I pray that you would just bless him. God, I pray that you'd bless our church. Thank you for your many, many blessings. God, the provision of the van, what a, what a blessing. God, I pray that you would just continue to provide and bless and Father, we'll thank you for that. God, we ask all of these things in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.